0: Welcome to Win Win, a podcast from the Department of Sports and Exercise Science at the Waterford Institute of Technology. I'm your host, Bruce Wardrop, and in each episode I'll be chatting with someone who works behind the scenes in elite sports, helping athletes maximise their performance potential. If my guest is winning, hopefully their athletes are winning too. In this episode, I'm catching up with Caroline McManus, Lead Performance Scientist with Rowing in with High Performance Sport New Zealand. Caroline, Welcome to the podcast. I am really pleased to get to catch up with you. It has been such a long time since we spoke and it's exciting to bring some international flavour to the show. It's, uh, it's Friday evening here in Ireland and it's Saturday morning over your side of the world and you're working. So I'll start by asking, where are you and what are you doing today?
1: Okay. Um, thanks for having me on, Bruce. Uh, delighted to come on and chat. And as, as you said, uh, we haven't spoken in a long time, so um, good, good to connect um, and, l- and love what you're doing with this podcast. Um, so this morning I'm out at Lake Karapiro, which is um, it's in the middle of the North Island in um, New Zealand, um, and this is the centralised base for the elite rowing program, and this is where I where I am I'm housed basically. I'm here day to day. A beautiful, idyllic uh, location. We're on uh, our building overlooks the lake, so it, it, it couldn't get, it couldn't get better. Um, and our rowers have what we call a squad session this morning, so I have to come in and do some analysis on that. Um, today we 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 have a team that uh, rotates the Saturdays for this
0: okay so it's not not every Saturday you're in there working away
1: no it's not thankfully
0: (laughs) good well what so that leads me nicely into what does a typical day for you look like in your job what would you normally be doing do you see athletes every day or are you doing different things on a day-to-day basis
1: yeah I mean look the yeah things are a different day-to-day but um, yeah because the athletes are here all the time we'll see athletes You know maybe not the same one every day, but we will see athletes every day. Um in the office environment I'm sitting in and around the coaches as well. So we have seven coaches, we elite, elite coaches we work with. So um I have interactions with them daily. So earlier in the week obviously what we look at generally is our load our load monitoring um, in, in terms of how the athletes are tracking um, and if we need to make any shifts to you know to their training or or flags. Um, but also in there, also in there, what we could be doing is whether it be on water monitoring, um, lab or, or gym monitoring. Um, I don't use a lab as much as I would have done in Ireland because it's such a big program, but we can, we can talk about that again later. Um, and in there, and in there, it could be meetings with coaches, meeting with other service providers or, or, or athletes. So. It's a busy day. It's a pretty high intensity environment here. Um, But it's, um, yeah, there's good variety in there.
0: Grace. Well, maybe we might dig into that a little bit. So you mentioned there that you monitor the training load of the athletes. What do you do to monitor their training loads?
1: So, what we do is we use training peaks, um, solely training peaks. Um, We've come in and out of using um, RP uh, type load. Um, But actually, training peaks.
0: Yeah, just just for heart,
1: heart rate. Yep. So they wear heart rate monitors for every session, um, and they they are uploaded, and uh, that's how we monitor monitor training. Um, we also have our own systems in terms of looking at GPS, um, where the heart rate data pops on as well. So um, workload, etc. So yeah, that's what we do, and we have a squad of about uh, fifty between the men and the women, um, and yeah, it's just. Um, We've got some really good people who work on the data. To be honest, to make it look nice, so that we can present it out of training peaks and in a in a format that's fairly straightforward for us, for both us and and the coaches. Most importantly,
0: yeah. Okay. Well, that's actually something interesting. That's something I always like to ask. Is that you know when you're doing a lot of monitoring and testing on athletes like that, how do you? find that you manage the data and take what can be a large volume of fairly complicated data and condense it down into something that the athletes and the coaches can understand. Uh, how, how do you go about doing that? Uh,
1: so that's a re- I mean, I think that's a really good question. And, and for any um, aspiring practitioners, that's something they should always come back to because we get so excited about what we can measure um, and, what, and what we can present, but, but how they interlink. Is going to be big, but also does it answer the question of what the coach is looking for? Um, And I think um, the the mistakes we can make, and I've made them over the years myself, is actually is it telling us anything other than what the coach already knows? Um, So we generally try to keep it to the as as simple as that. Is we talk to the coach. I've suggested a number of uh, of um, of markers or of of test implications and. You know they've been well. We don't need it because I already know from this perspective, and and that's fine. We work with that, but our real staples are you know um, to track how athletes are conditioning wise. We're working in an endurance sport, so it's really important uh, for us to know how they are tracking within the program. Um, It's a big volume program, and uh, step testing is is the is the key for us on that. So we have regular step tests through the year. Um, I
0: so that's like a. Uh, uh, an enjoy a step test, a, a test on the rower in the lab, where they be, or or is it out in the water? They do us. We do both, Bruce.
1: So yeah. we now have the, which which has been something new that's come into rowing is like on the erg, we can use wattage for our um, workloads. Uh, we can now do that in the water. So we do both because there is actually a difference. The the transfer from the erg, while it's rowing specific, it is a bit different on the water um because it's such a big program and I and I did start doing this a little bit in Ireland is, is I don't always do it in the lab because you can really only do one one to two at a time in the lab uh when I want to look at metabolic data in particular we'll definitely um use the lab um for VO2s or 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 economy or efficiencies or or, or what but um what we do is we actually set them off in waves and we just do the step tests it could be 10 athletes going at a time four of us testing on them we set the temperatures um to a controlled, you know, temperature for each, each test. And we get through the 50 athletes within two days.
0: Wow. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah it's, <laughs> I'd like to see that in action. That's impressive.
1: It's efficient. And then, and then you just put all your time into, um, data entry, data analysis, and then feedback. So again, back to what your question of, of what do you do with all of that data? Um, back to people with experience in, in, um, in managing large, large volumes of data, have set up macros and um, spreadsheets for us to be able to to do that in a time efficient manner. So to try and um, automate
0: it to a certain degree, that is
1: exactly to a certain yeah. degree. I mean, it, it, you, I, I never want to automate it too much, and I think come back to this is is that sometimes, not sometimes, actually, often we have to look at the data and look at it. And, and this is one thing actually with with the younger practitioners that have come in is. They don't, when they have something we look to work on is them identifying when something looks wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if, if just because that's what the analysis has spat out, um, sometimes that's not right. And, and whether it's maybe the athlete is, is telling us the athlete has to work a lot lower. You know, think about the experience of the athlete. Think about um, their performance tests. And we'll always come back to the performance test. Where, where can they perform on those, their 2Ks or their 5Ks or on water? Um, or if there's just an anomaly in, in a heart rate or a lactate and, and that's a huge teaching point is what doesn't look right. And then we can go back and we can delve into it.
0: Um,
1: so I do think while getting reports automated data, it's really, really important for us to be able to identify with the data. And as, I mean, you'll know this yourself as a practitioner, you never become really, really comfortable with it until you do years and years of just looking at it and, and processing it.
0: Yeah, I still second guess myself all the time. Yeah.
1: Oh, yeah. and, and that's so. fun, it, it's funny you should say that because we were, I was on the water with a coach um, maybe about six weeks ago and one of the, one of the lactates I was doing on, on a, a verification um, test, the athletes were going really, really well, but really well to the point you were going, you know, they're, they're world champion athletes yet they were going so well it didn't make sense to me so I I questioned me and, and my you know so I, I redid and I redid and we retested and, and that's the conversation we actually had is we'll never just believe what it is so we want to we want to check and recheck and I think always come back to that is if we second guess ourselves we probably know we're we're going to delve into to make sure we're our, our data's that a little bit more accurate or telling the right story
0: Yeah, I remember I had one athlete in for testing and he was an an excellent, really high-standard athlete. Mm. But his VO2 max came out exceptionally high. Now, Mm. maybe 10% higher than I was expecting it to be from his previous tests, you know, but like... Mm still plausible but I I just went back and checked and I noticed then I had put the the, the the pressure in wrong at the start I'd entered some of the yes. atmospheric data so when I corrected that and went back everything looked a bit more normal but had yeah. you not second guessed yourself there and, and put that result out you know it's mm. good it's good to be just just be critical of yourself from time to time and, and always just double check things I guess
1: and as scientists um, I think that's a requirement for us isn't it
0: yeah, absolutely, it's absolutely. critical, Yeah, Yeah, I'm always telling the students to just be wary of every everything that they see, no matter what the source is. Just question does it sound right, does it seem right? Um and and, and try and verify it themselves. Mm-hmm. So from that, so you know you've you've collected all that data, you have generated reports, you've checked the reports. Um how how does that go into informing what your athletes do on a day-to-day basis or into your annual training plan? Um, how do you apply that data then?
1: Um well they they use the data that we've, um, that we've literally presented. So we, we presented with the coach. It all comes back to, it's a coach-led program. So everything we do will be done with the coach. Um, so, you know, through a feedback session, if they've progressed, we'll look at ways of progressing on, on their workloads um, because obviously sometimes the jumps can be big that there's a big cost to that as well. Um, and, and, and that'll, you know, that'll actually probably spill over into nutrition where there's a, a greater energy cost. Um, and yeah, it's, it's actually fairly straightforward is, is this, this, these are your training zones and we'll work off them. Um, so the erg is very easy to work off. And as I said, our, our system for on the water allows us to look at that as well. When there's gates on the boat, um, there's a huge amount of data comes off the boats. Um, my colleague who works instead sort of in the PTA biome- biomechanics area is actually working on, on, on bigger data work for, for that, which is beyond my expertise for sure
0: uh very good um you, you kind of hinted at it there, there so what about the you know the relationships that you develop with the coaches and the athletes how do you you know maximize the, or how, how much value do you place on the relationships that you develop with your athletes and coaches in order to get the most out of what you're doing with them
1: yeah that, that's for me paramount and um i think if I'm ever given feedback, one of the things is, is your interpersonal skills is something you always work on. Um, and, and there's a reason for that. Um, like I said, it's it's coach led, the coaches, it's, it's, it's really at the end of the day, the coach and the athlete. So spending time on that relationship, it has to be first on your agenda. I think, you know, we all come out of uni and I've said this, I think recently, we come out of uni with a degree or with a master's or with a PhD. So we're, we're, we're smart and clever enough to learn the trade. Um, but sometimes where people can fall down is is not spending the time on on um, that relationship with the coach um, and with the athlete. So I think first and foremost is with the coaches, finding out what works for them, what doesn't. And that actually that was a question I was asked coming over here was, you know, what would you do when you get here? And I, and I kind of was like, well, I'll come in and try and figure out what, what's working for everybody you're not coming in to try and change anything or change the world um what is it the coaches respond to um or they find the most useful info and and, and from there you're going to refine but you just got to, you've got to make sure what you deliver is what the coach has required or your service team is required consistently um to be able to create that relationship before you look at wanting to change anything and i think that's probably the key is as, um, you know, new grads or we grab onto some some um, information that we've learned or that we've read and we want to, you know, we want to run with it. Um, and I think this is where I'd always like to say is we're evidence informed rather than always, We you know, we say we work as an ev- evidence based, we do, but we have to be evidence informed because we can't just take something that might've been in isolation and say, we should definitely do this within the Context of a big, you know, complex program, that um, and and it may not fit. And often the coach knows it won't fit. Does that? Yeah, make no, sense? I you're yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. And that could uh, and that could also vary from coach to coach or from group to group. It, if you're
1: absolutely, and that's again, I love I love that you're picking up on all of these points. Is no one coach I've worked with I'd necessarily work exactly the same with. Um, because it's 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 like meeting people, isn't it? It's It's like with your kids. It's like with um colleagues, we we have to figure out the relationships and and um for good, robust relationships, you have to spend the time. Um, sometimes I can see people get frustrated. but until you until you really nail the the interpersonal relationship, um it's going to be a hard road in terms of trying to make progress from your perspective.
0: Yeah, I think I heard you say recently as well that um, if you were, you know, people who might be coming to you looking for work or work experience, you you know, if they have their degree or their qualification, you know they're able to learn, but you like someone who has those good skills because you can teach them what you need them to know, but they have to be able to deal with people in order to to do that effect or to apply their knowledge effectively.
1: Uh, Absolutely. And I think, and you would have seen the people that came in when we were working across over the years is... It's those people that got the jobs. They took initiative. they were interested. they wanted to volunteer, and they, I mean, they're the people you want, and they're very intelligent people and, and yes, they're in the industry or or in a similar industry since, but because they were keen and um keen and 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 likable because of how they approached wanting wanting to get experiences jumped out so much that you can't.
0: It's funny. Now, this is a bit of an awkward segue now seeing as have you just yeah. put that. One. I was thinking about it recently and I, I was saying to, uh, talking to my wife about it, that you, I, I credit you for giving me a kind of a, a, a leg up in my career. I don't know. I don't want to age us now, but it was a, a, a few years ago back in, yeah, when you were working down at the University of Limerick. And the reason I say I don't want to age us is because I think I actually wrote you a pro, like an actual letter and posted it. It was. It wasn't. Yeah, I have a vague. I have a vague memory of doing that. Asking, could I come down and help out uh, when I was on my summer holidays from 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 university, and I have I went down and spent a, a couple of weekends just helping out with you the testing that you were doing with the rowing, and. Yes, but I, I, there's so much stuff I'd forgotten about. So there was the odd couple of weekends that I came down and helped out and I got to meet you and, and a few other people that worked down there. And then that led on to doing something else with the, the coaching forum that was on down there. Yes, I remember. And I met someone else and that led on to something else and it led on to something else. So it was, you know, asking for that experience, getting down there, meeting you, developing relationships with a few people. I really think that that was critical to, to me getting, getting going in my career.
1: And the, you took the initiative, and that's what—that's, I guess, what I'm trying to say is I—I I, I don't remember the letter. I thought it was an email, but I do remember having you come up to us. Um, and I mean, from the get-go, exactly. This is why you're still doing what you're doing. Um, you were interested. Um, you obviously had the skills, and people liked you. You know, for that reason. so great.
0: I say to our students then, just to take that initiative themselves, and if they're going out to do if you're going out to do work placement, if you're going to do anything, even if it's just one day, go and mm-hmm. work and stuff, treat it as if it is the, the, your dream job and that you're getting paid your dream salary for doing it. Even if you're go. not getting any, go in and treat it as if it is your dream job. Do your best. Yeah. because, Particularly in Ireland, um, the, the pool of people is very small. So, you, you you know, you keep meeting the same people over and over again. Uh, and the, those relationships can become really, really important.
1: Yeah. I, and I like the way you say that, like treat it like your dream job. Because, for me, this is my, you know, I've, I've been working in my dream job for over 20 years. Um, and another, and I think, I mean, I suppose I'm talking from my perspective. I think um, mentors are always willing to do that. Um, so, and I, and I say mentors because I, I studied in Sydney a, a long time ago. And I remember it was my nutrition lecturer. I just got chatting to her and she set up experience for me with the New South Wales Academy at the time. And for those, it was those reasons, I think showed your interest, showed where you wanted to go and, um, they, people will just give you, I mean, it's, it's, it, it surprised me at the time, but actually now that I've given people opportunities too, or you have, or it, you want to give people with that kind of enthusiasm, um, and, and get up and go those, those opportunities because they're the ones you want to work with you. Right.
0: Absolutely, it's really like it can, you, the passion you have for your job really shines through there. So, wh- on it, like, what is your favorite aspect of your job? What do you really enjoy the most of it? What's the, your favorite part of it?
1: Um, fun, funny to say that because I, I um, gave some feedback to a twenty-year-old ni- a athlete who has got um, huge capacity, and and I, and then that example I spoke about on the water recently. Um, when we see shifts in and it's generally conditioning, but when you can get the whole picture, so I'm not just talking from a physiological perspective. We work with, you know, teams of nutrition, strength and conditioning, physio, psych, um, medical. Um, and we've worked hugely on, you know, athletes being able to fuel properly to be able to make adaptation. Um, and to see that actually come into fruition and you're looking at going, I didn't think they could go this much faster and they're going this much faster and it's training. Um, That's the stuff that excites me. And I say it to them. I'm like, this is the stuff I get excited about. Or I think our single scholar or female single scholar said to me recently, you know, having you at events is great. And, And I, and I talked to her, I said, you know, I don't love pinnacle events because really my expertise is, is, is out the window at that point, you know, I'm, I'm there just to support and help. And that's part, and that is part of the role, but where I get the biggest, um, the biggest, uh, what's the word I'm trying to think of. Um, Satisfaction for my job is when I see those shifts, you're going, that program, you, uh, you approaching that program, you know, at the right. So, so I think a big thing sometimes is educating an athlete that, either not going all out or not, you know, is is finding that balance within the program. Um, and then to see those shifts on, you know, while they're getting sleep right, while they're getting nutrition right, while they're getting, you know, the, the they're getting stronger in the gym and it's, they're they're not getting injured. You just, you, you leave that day going, no, that's why I'm doing it. You know, you can see them yeah, getting closer to their goals.
0: Mm. That's how you know you're winning at your job is when, when yes, you see those. exactly. Happens. And then,
1: yes, the the pinnacle events are great because you get to watch them race. Um, but it's really the coach and the athlete at the pin- pinnacle event. You know, it's, it's, it, it th- that's where, I mean, I think that's where we are referred to as backroom staff. We are. Um, and one, I suppose one thing I'd probably, and I don't know if I'm, if, if this is something you want me to move into, but um, one thing I'd probably always say to practitioners as well is, is, you know, if you think you'll have a lot of kudos or recognition for your job, it's not for you because um, backroom staff you don't see. Um, and I so I'm not a huge, and I don't know you probably probably know this. I'm not a. a I don't like posting myself with athletes that I work with, you know, um, on Instagram on whatever. Um, and I think just remember that. Come back to why you're doing it um, and your values with, within the sport. By saying I got to work with you know. A double olympic champ you know that that for me isn't what the job's about um and selling that now I, i've had people come up against me saying well your profile isn't going to be good then caroline and i said well i'll i'll go with that I have, my, my work has to speak loudly more loudly than me selling myself to the world and who i work with so that that's just something i think in the world that we live in that's that's highly social media led just to always always remember that
0: yeah it's yeah. contentious
1: yeah. but
0: no, I don't I agree with you. I think that it, the quality of your work is always more important about the appearance of your work um mm. and what you're doing. It's, yeah. it's it's you know can you quietly do do things well be well behind the scenes that's what you're required to do that's what what people need you to do mm-hmm. um you know it's the, like i always joke and say it's it's the less glamorous side of of high performance sport you're there before the athletes wake up you're working until they go to bed and that's just the nature of us you're 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 yeah. you're, you're, you're getting, now know it's it, i i enjoy it And um, it's great to be able to participate and be a part a small part of those the, the competitions and and, and, and the hope the successes and sometimes the failures that come along with us um, that's all part and parcel of but you're never going to be front and centre doing this job
1: absolutely yeah and I like to hear you say that as well we still love it I mean you, you can be working 16 17 hour days when you're at a pinnacle event and you're absolutely knacker but the energy you, br- you have to bring to it um, and the team you get to work with because there's always there's always banter and there's always fun as well as as when we have to get the heads down you know
0: yeah absolutely mm-hmm. yeah so what my yeah my favorite photographs and things like you say are not with the athletes they're with the people yeah. that you're spending the time with and working with most behind the scenes mm-hmm. they're the, they're the really good memories um very good well i what I want to there a couple of asked questions once asked like now you're over in new zealand we we mm-hmm. we've hinted that you you started your career obviously back in Ireland, mm-hmm. so how did you find the transition from from Ireland to New Zealand? Well, is is the sporting culture very different over there? Is the setup very different, or or is it similar? Uh, How how does that feel to you now that you're over there?
1: Yeah, um, so so on the get go, I have to say where we are is quite Irish, so I feel quite at home. It's um, countryside. If there wasn't for native trees, you could feel like you're in 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 Ireland. Um, So from that perspective, it's easy. The people are are very similar, I think, um, to us. I. I, I I love it. We love it here as a family. Um, I suppose a big difference from a job perspective is the size of the program. So I would have worked across sports in Ireland, um, and none of the programs were as big as this one program. Rowing is is one of the um, priority or tier one sports in in New Zealand. Um, so as I as I mentioned earlier, we, you know, seven coaches, about fifty athletes, um, and then we have quite quite a few support team around that. Um, and then, and then we'll also do some coaching education to our age group coaches or, or aspiring coaches and um, the ones that support our, our age group or regional I, programs.
0: I actually don't know how big is the, the rowing program in Ireland at the moment. I'm not familiar with the, how, how, what, uh, I,
1: I actually don't know, but it's bigger than it was before I left because it was, yeah. um, I worked through what the 2016 game left in January, 2017 um and maybe there was 10 on the program but okay, since right. I've since I've left i mean um the program's become even more successful than it was you know um after after Rio so That's not um, a sign. to see that le- to see a legacy already um being set by by Gary and Paul was um it was it's pretty cool to watch on to see Ireland up there in in, in the racing very um,
0: good
1: Yeah, Mm.
0: And in terms of, I suppose there's probably some things that are similar over there, Uh, Ireland, New Zealand, similar sized countries, I don't know, like budget wise, how are you fixed? Do you like, do you guys have as a tier one program, are you, do you have free reign to do what you want or do you have to work within certain constraints?
1: It's a really good question. Um, I, I, I spoke about this recently to, I think it was a, a pro sport, um, I believe it's very similar to Ireland so you, you you know in any of the um high performance programs we work in we're always on a, con- a budget constraint so you had to be very focused on what you were going to introduce um if 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 we could introduce it at all New Zealand's the same so the scale is just bigger because so it seems like the budget is bigger if we were to compare like with like but actually when you look at the size of the program it's very very similar and and like that I've had to on a couple of things that I've introduced, I've had to really put um, cases forward or think a little bit outside the box so that we could um, get what we needed. Um, and, you know, there are, we look we look on at the country and we we almost model our, you know, as practitioners, we model on the countries that have the big budgets that can do everything that they want. It's the same when we go to pinnacle events. We've probably got a real basic um, tent is what we call it. Compared to another country that might be nicknamed the Taj Mahal, you know, Um, but but what we do is we make sure that everything that they and I heard somebody say recently, you know, what are the basics? But we actually do the basics really well from a recovery perspective. So food, training, um, and and we ensure that that happens um, as best as possible. Um, Probably one of the things we've. the challenges we've come up against recently is, is in our preparation for Tokyo, which has obviously been postponed um, and using the heat chambers around New Zealand. And with the program that's in rowing, it's, it's, it's even hard to get away from here when we're when we're really training um, the big blocks. Um, so to take them out of their environment, to then put them in a lab that you know, two athletes can fit in. Um, there's another lab um, a little bit further our, away.
0: Where you can control the temperature and simulate competition in uh, scenarios.
1: Exactly. You know, we're looking to see who struggles and then what putting measures around, around them or even the ones that don't struggle. What we can add on top of their pre-cooling um, and, and, and basically their overall um, strategy, pre-cooling strategy. Um, and what we've looked to do is actually modify our gym. So where our ergs and our bikes are. Um, and we would have done that, Bruce, over the years in the labs. Um, you know, you, you get it to a temperature and humidity that you feel is enough to um, elicit a high enough um, heat stress response or heat strain response um, so that you know you're going to get some some adaptation. And that's actually what we're going at here. We'll still use the heat chambers for some specifics. for are really trying to um, uh, measure a, a change of something that we're implementing. But... On the whole, all of our heat training will happen in the gym based on changes that we've made in there.
0: Very good. You hinted mm. at something there. It's it Just I want to go back a couple of steps. Yeah. Uh, my, in the last episode, I was talking to Karen Williams, who's the head of performance planning with British Gymnastics. And one of the things she said really echoed what, what you said there. She calls them brilliant basics, just doing yes. the simple yes. things right. Uh, making mm-hmm. sure you get the basics correct, exactly what you said there, cover off the bases before you look for the bright and shiny and expensive things that you might want to add mm-hmm. into your program. So I'm, I'm wondering, is that going to be a common theme that I'm going to hear from people as, as, I, yeah. as I progress through this?
1: And I think you'll see, I mean, you'll you see this as well, um, but, but for the aspiring practitioners, you'll always see our more successful athletes don't look for anything shiny. They're probably our least, uh, they're athletes that, that take up the least amount of your time, even though you want them to, you know, um, but they just get out there and consistently do it every single day. Um, yes, we'll be on, as I said, nutrition in an endurance program is always going to be massive, um, to make sure that they get the right amount of energy to be able to, to do the program that you, you're, you know, that you're working with. Um, but they, your, your serial medal winners, and it's, and I think it's, it's, it's in data around the world is your serial medal winners are probably, they're the most simple, they've the most simple approach because they do exactly what you just referred to is those, those const, those consistent, um, blocks, let's call them blocks of what they need to do. So am I sleeping enough? Am I eating enough? Am I eating enough of the right foods? Um, am I drinking enough? okay, now am, am I working at the right intensities to actually make? And I think that was one thing, that, that example I gave of, of the women's boat I was on the water with, it was the athlete herself that, um, that actually asked for this particular verification session because she said, we were going so fast that she said, I could have just not thought about it. You know, we're going fast and that's great. Um, but actually she said she didn't feel like she was working hard enough. And oh, I thought, wow, uh, that, yeah. that blow, that blew me away on that day. And I said, this is why she could, they continue to be as good as they are. Um, and you see that, as I said, you see that with the most successful, they'll just continue to do what needs to be done rather than, is there a silver bullet or can I do this a la- lot? You know? Yeah. Last minute. It's,
0: it's almost like a tunnel vision, a blinkered approach. They are just focused on what needs to be done and not mm. distracted. Um, yes. Beyond that.
1: Mm. and Absolutely. we can we can add a little bit um and i think it was um a quote joe conway said it to me um what did he say it was like the icing was it was at the icing on the cake but but he said that's all it is he said it's it's almost the basics dressed up as the icing on the cake
0: yeah yeah you know
1: when you when all of those little things that we add that we look or people might see as silver bullets is at the end of the day they're still part of the the big the basics
0: yeah I think and sometimes as well we get sound bites from those little things, and they're the things that the media might pick up on when they're interviewing an athlete that oh, this one thing is what led to the success of a particular athlete, but there's a huge pyramid of work that went in underneath that tiny little cherry on top
1: you're you're absolutely right, and I think that brings me on. I think I did want to make a point on um on you know taking research papers or um studies in isolation and um You know, we can get very excited about what they do or what they might bring to a program. But actually, when you try and um, put it on top of maybe what you're already what you're already planned for, it may not be appropriate. Um, And so, you know, I I do hear and I I was this I was this person 15 years ago. You know, why do we do so much volume in a rowing program? Well, let's go back to energy systems. That's why, actually, Um, it isn't, you know, yes, it's only between a five and a half and, and seven and a half minute minute race but look at where um the majority of that race comes from from an energy system perspective and, and that's where you have to spend most of your time um and I still have people why are you doing all of this training why you know more high intensity more this more that you know all of those components are going to be part of a program but what's um, appropriate at times when you're trying to develop a big and as you just said I liked the pyramid because you're you're developing something big to allow them actually to to rise even further
0: yeah it's Um, funny i was talking to a student today who was asking me about this like you know how much volume or how much intensity and i was just saying that if we come back from the elite level to to maybe sub elite where some of our graduates might be going out and starting out their careers working with people i find we have a lot of people who are i call them just one speed wonders they go out and do all their training at the same intensity whether it's a a long run or a relatively short run or a cycle or swim or whatever it's all just at the one intensity and I was trying to explain that you know if an a- you need an athlete sometimes just to lower the intensity increase to the volume to the point where they might feel like this isn't a particularly hard session I'm not really working here but that's what's going to get them the improvements that they're looking for and to try and it comes back to building that trust and building the relationship that they'll you know believe what you're saying to them they'll put it into practice hopefully see the results and then all that that trust is further enhanced then
1: Absolutely. And I think that comes back to your objective data, too, doesn't it, Bruce, that helps with your relationship building that if you can show them in a test that they're continuing to improve and then ultimately that and then it'll always transfer into uh, performance, you know, you you know that. And then when they see that change in performance, it's like ah. now often you'll have to come back and remind them. But that's where your relationship really gets uh, gets moved on, I think.
0: Yeah, it's important. Mm-hmm. I want to maybe change direction just a little bit, Caroline, because I yeah. do think you, over the years, you've had um, you've had wonderful opportunities to work with loads of coaches, um, and I'm assuming in that time you've worked with some really good coaches or coaches that you might have admired and looked up to. And uh, again, a lot of our our listeners, our students, might be going out thinking of starting a career as a coach. So, what qualities? Uh, stand out to you in sorry in the coaches that stood out to you as, as good coaches what are the qualities that they had what do you think um, they brought to the game
1: um, knowledge number one of the sport and I think um, the, you know the get go the, the best coaches have knowledge and passion beyond what we could probably ever wish to have um, the coaches that can um, communicate well okay, coming back to communication too um, and and the coaches who can actually sift out, um, sift out the the BS from from what's actually really useful, they they can always simplify it. And I think th- those coaches get the best out of athletes. And I, I've watched um, a number of coaches over the years. The the other one that I absolutely love, and I suppose who, who would I attribute this to? Maybe Gary Keegan is really challenging me, and I think. I have to say is, you know, at the beginning of my career as more of a technician, you're testing, you're giving data back, but you're not necessarily making the decisions or any any uh, strong critical thinking, I suppose, or decision making. Um, and I think I came to it one day and he really put it on the line and he, he just said, Caroline, how much? And I thought, oh my gosh, this is risky. What, what I'm, you know, and I was really out of my comfort zone, but actually it was a, probably a growth time as well. And it, it it made me confident on, I suppose, um on, on pushing the limits um in, in my own decision making. And they're the coaches I have to say that have probably made, you know, bigger impacts on me. And I think um I'll stay on that boxing one because I suppose it was it was all a um an evolution of their their programme at the time, is Billy Walton's Zoranti are in there. And I had um presentation a couple of years ago to do here at our High Performance Summit. And they were the three coaches I had up on the, on, I put up a heap of coaches that have influenced me, whether it's good or bad. Um, and I said, they were probably one of the bigger influences earlier in my career. Um, I had a couple of testing ones. Um, and then I've moved into some more, you know, later in my career, um, in the last, last 10 years. And indeed over here, probably will come away from here. Having worked with a couple of coaches that I would say could um could uh, uh, probably do well in other sports they're that good
0: okay right and that, that's mm. interesting so again that just you mentioned coming away from there so look into the future I right? now for, for the immediate future for you guys you mentioned obviously Tokyo 2020 is now Tokyo 2021 um what about the the status of other competitions like the, the world championships and the world cup have they been moved for you guys and does that have a big impact on your your, your training plan
1: um not hugely, because with the World Cups, what we generally try to do is is we train through apart from the tra- the travel is maybe what's what's our mini taper. So we don't really taper for the their their events for us to get a, a gauge of how training is going from a performance perspective. Um c COVID's going to be very much the um driving factor in whether we travel pre pre Tokyo, um, to be honest. So at the moment, <coughs> excuse me. It's not. It's not looking hugely likely that we will be traveling. Obviously, New Zealand has had a quite um, strict measures in place as well. So, from a health, a global health perspective, or a, um, a national health perspective, that that will have to come into play too. Um, I think um, historically, and it's not saying this this will be the case, is New Zealand tends to um, perform well coming off the big blocks of training that we do. Um, but we will miss racing if if we don't get to to see that. So there won't be a world champs before the Olympics this year, uh, 2021, there'll be a a world champs later in the year. I think it's October. Um, So, you know, Olympics will happen July into early August. Um, And then either athletes, some athletes will stick around, some won't. Um, And it's probably a good opportunity to blood newer, newer rowers. Um, But it'll be a shortened cycle, obviously for Paris. Do you have
0: juniors there with you as well or is it just all seniors that are based? Uh,
1: all, all, yeah, the elites are all um, seniors. Um, we do have campaigns where the 23s and the juniors come in and generally you'll see them, their campaigns are when the elite team is away for World Cups. So it allows us to be able to spend some time with those coaches and, and give a little p- feedback to, to athletes. Um, but we've, this year obviously has been different. So it's just trying to, Um, make sure the building isn't overflowing too much and looking for, you know, for other things so that they're getting the opportunity to be here and row around the elites. Um, So, yeah, no, the juniors are still, I mean, they're in a school program, so they'll only bring them together for short periods. Is rowing big enough
0: over there that you guys have um, a, a decent number of athletes coming through or do you have to do you have a talent ID program or anything like that going?
1: It's massive. I think I was blown away when I got here. Um, there's an event called Maddie Cup. You should look it up, actually. I think it's like the largest sporting event in the Southern Hemisphere. or It's a school's school's event. Mm-hmm.
0: Really. And
1: it was here um maybe a month after I arrived in twenty seventeen. And I literally I mean it's bigger than the senior events or club events. It was huge. Um all schools in the North Island or sorry, in, in New Zealand, it'll either be here one year or in the um South Island and Twisel on other years. And it is it blew me away the number of kids that rose. So there's a there's a good feeder um, you know, system that does that. Um I do think, um, and without getting in my soapbox, I think some of the bigger schools tend to work those athletes. It's the same as what we see in other sports in Ireland and here um, as well as possibly some of those kids are worked too, too much too soon. You know, back to what's appropriate volume, what's appropriate intensity to what you said earlier is know the training history and background of the athlete that you work with, whether they be a kid or newer to the sport. Um, and that's, what should dictate the amount of volume and how you progress progress them. So yeah, a lot, a lot of the kids in the um, programme do come out of have road in school. Um, not all of them have come through juniors, the international team, but most of them will have come through the under twenty three um uh campaigns. That's successful. Yeah, it's it's um, it's it's pretty amazing actually. It's it as I said, I walked out, I literally could not get over how many young kids were competing over that week
0: so yeah the future looks bright then for rowing in new Zealand's going to continue to go from strength to strength I, I
1: yeah i think so i think so and i think the other the other one and it's back to the coaching is is they invest in their own here quite a lot you know very few um i say this as an import um very 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 few non-kiwi coaches um we had an australian um up until a couple of years ago now our men's eight coaches. I don't know if you would have remembered Tony O'Connor. He um he rode for Ireland. Um and so he's coaching here now. But but other than that, they they really invest in their own and they educate and develop those coaches. And I think that is a huge testament to um their success as well as, you know, as well as a cohort of really hardy young kids, because that's
0: you know, the lifestyle
1: here, yeah, and the lifestyle here for kids is is fantastic. Yeah,
0: great. Well, listen, Caroline, I think I've taken up more than enough of your time. I think you mm-hmm. might have athletes coming back in off the water yeah. soon enough, soon. so you'll be jumping from one 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 job straight into another. So I would just like to say thank you so much. I feel like we could go on talking for another hour, no problem. So what we might have to do is maybe check in with you after after Tokyo and see how things are going. Then
1: that would uh, be but, fantastic. Yeah, great, great to chat to you, Bruce. Thank yeah you know I,
0: I really appreciate your time and I really appreciate your insight and I think hopefully um hopefully our students and maybe our, our other listeners as well will will really have have got some good nuggets of information from you there so really appreciate that thank you very much for your time Caroline
1: no problem I hope so.